Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It's Jesse. Welcome back, guys. It's been a minute. I apologize. Uh, summer gets crazy for me and for everyone, as I'm sure you all know. Um, and, and also, just honestly, every time I feel like I need to record something, it's just so much easier not to. Which uh, is not a great excuse, but it's the one I'm sticking with, so uh, I apologize. But, um... This week, I, I actually have a movie that I feel like I can actually say a lot of things about, mostly because I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Uh, and that movie would be the 2022 release from Baz Luhrmann, uh, Elvis. Um, this movie was just released not all that long ago. Like We just saw it in theaters on Saturday. So uh, you could absolutely go and watch this right now. Um, critically... It's doing, it's it's doing numbers, I guess. It's got a 64 on Metacritic. It's got a 3.6 average score on Letterboxd. So like, solid. It's it's doing well enough, and and you know it's performing really well at the box office. So you know if that's your thing, good for you. Um, I gotta say, I, I really don't know what to think about this movie, which is exactly why I figured I should uh, talk about it out loud. And if I'm going to sit here and talk about it out loud, might as well record it so that you lovely people can listen to it. So, um, I think I'm just going to go, like, full spoiler. Not full spoiler, but, like, I'm just going to say what I think. I'm not going to be too kind about, uh, saying things that, like, might ruin your opinion of the movie, I guess. I don't know. Um... I really like the way that this story is told. Um, this story, I think I would categorize it honestly as a tragedy. Um, which is, like, right up my alley. I love I love me a good tragedy. Man, I, I think they're so great. They're so fun to watch, uh, which makes me sound like a horrible person. But what I mean by that is... It gives you a lot to think about. It makes the characters much more interesting. It's You can easily have a conversation on, on your way back home from a tragedy as opposed to like when the story gets all nice and neatly you know, wrapped up there at the end. But with a tragedy, there's, there's emotion. There's, you know, should, is he acting on emotion? Is he doing the right thing? Is he doing the wrong thing? Like there, there's just so much to talk about with a tragedy. And, um... The decision from the writing team to write this story as a tragedy is, one, uh, historically accurate, truthfully, but also it's it's a really thoughtful way of making this movie and of telling the story. Um, because Elvis, like, the way he exists in pop culture and the way he exists in, like, the cultural zeitgeist, the way that we think about him, is, like, bigger than life, he's you know, he, he's a happy guy, he didn't sing a bunch of sad songs, like, we don't think of him as, like, a tragic person apart from the way that he died, like, he was great, he was the king of rock and roll, he was wildly famous, he was the first international superstar, he was handsome and made a ton of money, and, like, we think of him as, like, a hero, he's he's a pop culture icon, he's, he's Elvis Presley, he's the king, man, but, um, telling this story as a tragedy... Like, telling the whole story, which, you know, helps reveal it as a tragedy, man, it works. Like, I don't know. 
I, I, I had very low expectations coming into this, quite honestly. Just based on the trailers, I was like, yeah, I don't think this is really going to be for me. I don't think this is a movie that I'm going to like come home and be like, wow, that was fantastic. But I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised. Because I think the storytelling, just the storytelling itself, was effective. It was very good. I, I quite liked the way that it told the story. Um, another important thing to notice... Uh, this story is told from uh, Colonel Tom Parker's perspective, which is a person that I had never heard of. Now, to be fair, I, I'm no uh, Elvis expert. I'm not even, wouldn't even categorize myself as like an Elvis fan. So there's no way I've heard of Colonel Tom Parker. And I imagine that most of the people that, one, listen to my podcast, and two, probably a lot of the people that have see, that are seeing this movie probably haven't heard of Colonel Tom Parker, unless you were like, alive during the time of Elvis, you probably haven't heard of him. Um, he, he was the manager for Elvis through the entirety of his musical career. And um, telling the story from his perspective is very interesting because, uh, spoiler alert, I mean, I don't know how much this is a spoiler alert just because like people don't know who Colonel Tom Parker is, but at the same time, they know how the Elvis story ends. Um, Colonel Tom Parker is the reason that this story is a tragedy. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so telling the story from like his perspective and having him kind of like narrate the story, him like funny enough also on his deathbed, uh, really adds an interesting layer to the way that the story is told. Because I, I I would think, in the way that I saw the film, was that it what we saw was like the objective truth. Like, I, of course, who could possibly know the the private conversations that Elvis had, blah, 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 whatever. But, like, I would, I would say that what we see on screen is what actually happened. But then you get this narrator who's talking to you and interpreting these things, and it's not lining up with what we're seeing. And so it adds, like, just a very fun, interesting little layer of intrigue, kind of, to the story. I don't know, like, I, I quite liked it. I think, you know, telling, showing us the objective story with a very biased narrator is kind of fun. Like, it's not something that we see all the time. Like, it's 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 somewhat creative, and it's somewhat fresh and new, and, and I quite liked it. I think the way the story was told and delivered was actually quite good. Now let's move on to some of the more visual parts of the show. The film. Show. Film. Whatever. Um, I gotta say, this is where most of my uh, conflicting emotions go back and forth. Um, I have not... Well, prior to seeing this, when we walked into the theater, I didn't think I had seen a single one of Boz Lerman's films. Because, as far as I knew, the only Boz Lerman film I could name off the top of my head was uh, Romeo plus Juliet. You know, the one that's, like, modern-day times, but they speak Shakespeare's English, starring uh, Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, that one. I hadn't seen it, so I was like, I don't think I've seen any of this guy's work. Um, but the first 30 minutes were weird, man. Like, I, I couldn't hardly get past it. Like, it was, was kind of driving me nuts. Like, super fast cuts. It was, like, it was, like, super zippy, super fast. Like, you have this crazy like senile old man narrating this story and it's like 
cut, 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 flashing lights. Like, it, it was, it was crazy. Like, to the level where, like, the camera is moving and doing really kind of weird, but at the same time, like, kind of creative stuff where, like, the camera would zoom in on, like, Elvis's eye. And then that eye would turn into a Ferris wheel. And then the Ferris wheel would become, like, a record. And it's, like, all, all this while this old dude's narrating it. It, it was nuts and i was like my goodness if i have to do two more hours of this i don't think i can make it like i i don't i don't know what i'm supposed to think if this is going to be the whole movie and then kind of suddenly it stops like they just they they cut it with the weird camera movements they cut it like they don't do the fast cuts they don't do the weird transitions it just kind of stops it 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 feels like the first 30 40 minutes maybe even an hour was made by a different person than the guy who made like the last half of the movie. I don't, I don't think there's a better way to under to, like to describe it, but it feels like the movie was made by two different people. It wasn't. He was Boslerman the entire time, but for some reason, the first half was weird, and the second half was like actually really good. Like I, I was honestly like invested and surprised by how much I liked certain parts of this movie, and I think part of that was because I came in with such low expectations it's not like my expectations were on the floor but i wasn't expecting you know something like super thoughtful something really well made i wasn't expecting to get like super invested into the story but turns out i did so like props to to the makers of this movie for just kind of putting me in my place with my expectations there um another weird part is that that weird section at the beginning with the the crazy editing had some uh, interesting musical choices. There's like a Doja Cat song, and then like the first concert, the first like performance we see Elvis play. There's like this guitar wail that sounds like it should be played by like Jimi Hendrix, and like that doesn't line up. Like there was a a Denzel Curry song. I'm only saying this because I heard other people say it. I don't know these songs, but whatever it was, it was like rap music, as Elvis is walking down the street of Memphis in 1950-something. And it's weird, because um, obviously that doesn't match. And uh, this is where I kind of like can zoom back out. Um, I looked at Boz Lerman's filmography. I looked at the other films he's directed. Apparently this is like his sixth. He doesn't direct a ton of stuff. But um, he directed The Great Gatsby. And all of a sudden, like, it all clicked for me. I was like, oh, right. Because there were scenes in The Great Gatsby that the camera moved in really weird ways. And there were a bunch of crazy transitions. And I remember, like, Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z playing in the middle of The Great Gatsby. And I was like, that's kind of a weird choice. And it's like, oh, of course. He just did it again with Elvis. So, like, all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked with me. I was like, oh, duh. I have seen some of this guy's work. I thought this looked familiar. Regardless. Um, the second half of the film is actually really, really good. There were some scenes that were really well shot and acted and written, and it like really gets you as an audience member really invested. It's just very impressive. I I didn't expect it, and you know what? That's my own that's my own fault. But it was actually pretty good. But like when it comes to figuring out how I really feel about some of the more creative side of things there's the good stuff and then there's the bad stuff and i think the good stuff is really good i think the bad stuff is really bad which makes it like really tough for me to kind of figure out where i stand um 
I'm kind of just somewhere in the middle. The, like, if I think more about the beginning, I'm like, ah, maybe it wasn't so good. And I think about stuff towards the end, I'm like, oh, this this was a really good movie. And I'm just kind of somewhere that that murky middle, man. I don't I don't really know exactly where, how I feel about everything. Um, but so far, I've kind of been burying the lead on this film. Uh, I guess in more way than one. Pardon the pun on this. Uh, Austin Butler, the lead actor, is fantastic in this movie. I. Oh my. Goodness, whatever they put in the trailer, it just doesn't do the movie a ton of justice, but at the same time, it also shows you pretty much everything that happens in the movie. So, like, the trailer wasn't great, it didn't do the movie a ton of favors, and it definitely didn't do Austin Butler any favors, because that dude put on a super impressive performance. Um, I haven't been so impressed with an individual performance in quite a while, and I think part of that just has to do with the fact that he's playing Elvis, like... Elvis is a character that is so caricatured and so easy to just, like, you know, blow up for no real reason. Just kind of create this, you know, big caricature, do the weird voice and the costumes and all this stuff. And it's like, you've got Elvis. Like, everyone recognizes it. But Austin Butler plays it much more grounded. He does It never once feels like he's doing an impression. Like, it's... The performance is much more down to earth. Like he, like it's super cliche to say, but like he really like embodies this like idea of what Elvis probably actually was. He was probably much more of a mysterious character than this larger than life, you know, figure. Um, I mean, he was fantastic. I can't get over it. And and the 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 more impressive part is that the film covers like the entirety of his career. So he's he's playing a character who ages like 20 years. And so like he does young Elvis very well. He does like mid-career Elvis very well. He does old Elvis very well. Like he just he just does a fantastic job. Like I really didn't expect that performance to be as impactful and as impressive as it was. But lo and behold, once again, I'm I'm surprised by this movie. Um I truly think I'm not the kind of person that feels like I can make assumptions about like who will get nominated for whatever award. Austin Butler really should be nominated for best actor in a leading role. I don't know if he'll win it. I, I that's way too soon to say, but he definitely deserves some respect because that performance was fantastic. Uh, the other lead, Tom Hanks. Um, hmm, not so much. Um, and, and I know that if you're sitting here listening to this, having not seen the movie, you're like, how, how dare you, Jesse, say something bad about Tom Hanks? Trust me, I don't want to say anything bad about Tom Hanks. I love Tom Hanks. He's America's dad. He is uh, a fantastic actor, and he's a fantastic person, and he he's Tom Hanks. But man, Tom Hanks does not need to be in this movie. Like, I don't know what it is, uh, but it, it just doesn't work. Um... And maybe part of this, I have to acknowledge that maybe part of my distaste for the performance comes from the fact that he's playing, like, the antagonist of this film. And uh, I've never seen Tom Hanks play an antagonist before. Not to say he never has. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen every single movie Tom Hanks has ever been in. But he usually plays the main character, for one thing. I mean, he's Tom Hanks. But, like, he plays the good guy, and he's a good person. And now you're playing this 
crazy old dude. And it's like, it just, it, it doesn't work. It, it's not a good look on Tom Hanks. Um, doesn't help that like the prosthetics he wore was a little weird. The accent that the, the real person had was a little weird, made it really hard to place. I also don't think his lines were very good. Like maybe the weaker part of the writing falls on that character, which just makes it like really, really interesting for, uh, for old Tom Hanks there to, to deliver just bad lines. So I don't know, like that, that was a performance that I think we would all be best to just forget that he's in this one and just look at his other good work. So I don't know. I, I really think you should see this movie. Like it's in theaters. It is, it's long. It is long. And there are parts that are weird, but there are also parts that are really good. And like, I, I still don't know exactly where I fa- fall on this. Like I've gone back and changed my rating on this movie like three times. I'm just going to stick with a seven. That's where I'm at. That's pretty much what everyone else thinks. And that's not why I say it, but like, I don't think it's that good, but I don't think it's that bad either. So like seven is kind of that nice, you know, it's, it's an above average movie, but it's not like fantastic in any way. So it's a seven out of 10. It's pretty fun, I guess. So, apart from seeing, you know, the the biggest movie at the box office, Elvis, I have spent the last week watching all of season one of Ted Lasso. And I gotta say, I love this show. Which is like, hey, I'm late to the party. They've already made two seasons. They're working on a third. Like, it's the biggest show on TV, both, like, with the number of people that watch it but also like critical success it is the biggest show on tv um and it's not like a hot take to say hey you know ted lasso is actually really good but uh here i am saying that ted lasso is actually really good um i love this show um i'm a big fan of any kind of media any excuse me any kind of story that's just like hey you know what we're gonna do we're going to spread positivity and give you a character that is just genuinely a good person, and it's going to make you want to be a good person, and it's going to make you cry, it'll make you laugh, and it's just going to be a proper good time. Like, it just checks all the boxes. But I think the thing that surprises me most about this show, the thing that I'm probably most interested in, and I haven't even looked it up because I think it's way more fun for me just to imagine this, like, fake scenario in my head, but, like, I really want to know how they got this idea off the ground. Uh, for those of you that don't know the history of Ted Lasso, uh, Jason Sudeikis played, acted in this, like, little, like, promotional film for NBC Sports back in 2014, eight years ago, when NBC got the rights to the Premier League to broadcast here in America. And how did they choose to announce this? You know, soccer is not popular here, much less soccer from another country. How are we going to get people interested? Let's make a funny little promo video, seven, eight minutes long. We'll put Jason Sudeikis, who is like, you know, the peak of his SNL powers at that point. And we're going to say, we're going to make a funny little video of this American coach in England. And and that's how it started. It was this, this eight-minute video you can watch it on YouTube. And then they did another one the year after that, just to kind of like, hey, everyone liked the character. We'll do it again just to remind you, hey, we still have the Premier League. Whatever. 
Um, how did you take that character and then turn it into a whole show? Like, for one thing, that's an interesting thought to me because, like, you can see in the credits that like the character, the intellectual property of Ted Lasso belongs to NBC Sports, but somehow Apple TV Plus bought the right to the show. Like, I'm not going to get into that because like the studio and the the lawyer side of it is just like frankly boring, but. I'm curious, like, whose idea this was. I don't want to know, necessarily. I, I'm Jason Sudeikis is an executive producer, so he had a lot to do with it. He's also the star. Um, I did listen to a podcast for a long time by one of the writers and actors, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, a podcast called Films to Be Buried With. It is the podcast that influenced my idea for, like, the cinephile surveys. You know, whatever. How did you take this little character? It, you got, like, 15 minutes of, like, Ted Lasso, and how do you turn it into a pilot for a TV show, much less an entire TV show? Like, I, I'm so interested in that process. Like, what what were the writers thinking? Because if you go back, and I encourage you to, if you've seen Ted Lasso, the show, go back and watch those videos. Just look up, like, Ted Lasso NBC Sports. And for one thing, they recycle, like, all the jokes from that eight-minute sketch Practically, they recycle practically all of those through the first season, which is kind of funny. But they change they they change very little. Like I said, they pretty much just kept all the original jokes. Uh, they they had him coach a smaller team instead of Tottenham because uh, licensing is so different. They pretty much made up a team. There is a real AFC Richmond, but it's not the, the same one as in the show. But the thing that I'm most the thing that intrigues me most. I've, I've kept kind of beating around the bush on this, but I'm just going to come out and say it. Whose idea was it to make Ted Lasso the nicest person in the world? Because, like, you watch those two videos. You get 15 minutes of Ted Lasso from, like, seven years ago, eight years ago. And, like, he's a coach. He's kind of an idiot. Um, and he doesn't have, like, that nurturing, kind, good person, like, positive mentality. Like, he's not, like, a bad person, but... He's kind of like this caricature that you have of a coach. Somewhere between those original sketches and the pilot, someone said, let's take this idea. It's a really funny idea. But uh, one minor change. Let's make him the greatest person ever. Let's make him just the nicest guy. I don't know. I don't know who came up with that idea, but they're a genius. Because I think that is such an important thing for us as people to consume as media um there are a lot of really great shows out there a lot of comedies and dramas that deal with you know a broad range of topics um like if you ask people what the best show tv show ever was you're probably going to get the answer band of brothers another tom hanks thing by the way uh or like breaking bad and, like, Breaking Bad is phenomenal. It's really well written. It's really well acted. All this stuff. Like, fantastic. But it's about a guy who becomes a criminal, makes and sells meth. And it's, like, not the best person in the world. And then you get a show like Ted Lasso. Which, of course, is a comedy. So, like, it's going to tonally take a very different approach. But even if you compare, like, Ted Lasso to something like Seinfeld. Which is, you know, for the time being, my favorite sitcom of all time. I haven't seen season two of Ted Lasso yet, so I'm keeping my options open. 
But like Seinfeld is a show that's whole premise was no hugging and making up and nobody learns a lesson. Every single character in that show, Jerry, Elaine, George, Kramer, they're all bad people. They're selfish and they take advantage of other people and they don't care. And it's hilarious. And everyone like people like that show. And like every show has, you know, like every person's kind of a bad person to some degree. But then you get Ted Lasso. And he's the nicest guy. He is kind. He is thoughtful. He He's encouraging. And he's an absolute joy to watch on TV. And then that show does super well. Like, everyone loves to watch it. It is critically just winning Emmys left and right. Like, it's incredible. I love this show. It makes me so happy. Like... I'm really trying hard not to just buy as much Ted Lasso merch as I I could possibly afford. Um, It's a joy to watch. Um, If you've not seen it, pay your $6 for Apple TV Plus and just binge all of it. Because I I promise you, once you start it, you won't want to stop. The episodes are like 30 minutes long. There's only 22 of them total right now between the two seasons. Like, you could knock it out in a weekend. Absolutely. It is fantastic. It's like, I love this show. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So, I don't know. That's what I wanted to say. I just, I I figured that I should record something since I had a movie that I had a lot to say about. Mostly because I was super unclear about how I felt. Uh, I had Ted Lasso, which right now I'm just very passionate about. Like, absolutely love it um that's what i got man i'm kind of fired up i'm having a good time fix to go play some pickleball went for a run earlier man i'm getting i'm gonna get all my steps in today like times two it's good i hope you guys have a good day thanks for listening to my podcast um i hope you have a good week i hope that uh everything's good for you and uh i love you Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, until next week.